So we've got two-part reading. The first part is 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to the Lord. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be de devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Lord, we pray now for your presence within us, your presence here, the Holy Spirit flowing among us. We ask you to open our hearts and minds to hear your word shared by David. We ask that you help us to put down our burdens from the week and to be here to focus on you, to listen, hear, and take away, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Those at the back, you missed the extraordinary insights and heavenly words I have just shared. <laughs> hey, so good to be on power. So good to be here. I, I work at the uh, diocese. I look after stewardship and evangelism. And uh, Sarah Slater, who is with us today, bounced in the other day. She doesn't walk. She bounces and she bounced in and said, there has been an amazing time at the six o'clock. You really must come. So uh, I do what I'm told, and it is a great joy to be here. I am surrounded, actually, by, uh, by folk from Claygate wherever I go. Uh, for the last 11 years, Linda 
has been my uh, spiritual advisor and has guided me and supported me uh, through life's various uh, disasters. And um, Stuart, your uh, associate minister, is now helping us conduct vision things for across, uh, across the diocese. And of course, Emma, Emma Coy, your former children's minister, is now making a real impact, not just in the diocese, but nationally in enabling uh, multi-age uh, intergenerational worship. Uh, amazing where, uh, where, how widely this uh, church is having an impact. And then, of course, there's uh, Pippa Kramer. I don't know how many you know Pippa. She mainly comes, I think, to the morning services. But uh, uh, she is an amazing uh, drawer together of people people, things like Hymns We Love, which is now, uh, I came to the launch here, and she said it's going to be a great national thing. And now it says it's going to be an international thing, and soon it will be intergalactic. She has, on her team, she has the bishop, she has the Archbishop of Canterbury, and I am advised that very soon she will have the Pope. So uh, there is no limit to the influence of this church, and uh, uh, it is a real joy to be with you. I'm also uh, a priest on the team at St. Paul's Howell Hill, uh, which is uh, near sort of Banstead and Epsom and that kind of area, and is a church of a sort of similar size and similar churchmanship. And so uh, I feel really at home here tonight. There are uh, particular challenges in being part of a, of a large church much of the time we work with uh, smaller churches in the diocese who are trying to keep things together and build things up. In that context, by the way, the evangelism hub has been a real asset, seeing people who've been focused on running churches suddenly getting excited about pathways to faith and enabling everybody to go out and to invite people. And what a brilliant advert for Alpha. Alpha is just amazing. It also brought me into a living relationship with Jesus uh, when it was first invented, a few years ago now, and, uh, and also new wine. Do go to new wine. What's not... Yes! Wow, you didn't get that at the 8 o'clock communion. <laughs> Woo! No, you know, anointed worship, um, amazing teaching, and, uh, and camping. But... As St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians verse 11, I have been three times beaten with rods, three times shipwrecked. You can try camping. P.S. I make tents. So, you know, it is amazing because you get to know each other, don't you? Drinking late into, I mean, or having orange juice. Yeah, late into the night. Uh, it is just absolutely amazing. So, uh, yes, and uh, the thing about... The thing about uh, large churches is you have to stay ambitious. When I first joined the team at St. Paul's Howell Hill, I was given the history of St. Paul's, upon which there was an inspiring picture on the front of an oak tree. And it said, from acorn to oak tree. Now, oak trees are very civilized things. They are quintessentially English and therefore to be commended. Um, but the message was so complacent and so damaging. It was, we had a small start, but now we have arrived. We are like a great oak tree 
producing oxygen and accommodating squirrels and whatever. And there are three C's that we always have to be aware of in a large church. The danger of comfort. We've arrived. Complacency and consumerism. I was part of HTB for years, and you could go along, and you didn't have to do anything because it all kind of happened. But you never really experience and grow in the Christian life unless you find your place of service and you start young with that. Because doing stuff together for Jesus, seeing people's lives change, gives meaning and purpose to this life. There is nothing, nothing better. Thankfully, you have uh, a really exciting plan ahead. And uh, I love this idea of being people of the way. A way is a way of doing things, but it's also direction. You see, out there in the kind of sensible Christian world, people kind of go, let's keep this faith thing in, you know, in moderation. When I was your age, my... my uh, uh, my folks said to me, my mum said to me, she said, I hope that one day, David, you'll marry a, a nice Christian girl, but uh, not too Christian, you understand. Not somebody who does excessive things like praying during the week and whatever. And uh, there is, isn't there, a tendency to sort of say, let's be really kind of moderate about this. I don't know about you, but when I first invited or tried to invite Jesus into my life, I said, uh, Jesus, come over here and uh, sit down here, and it's going to work like this, Jesus, okay? Uh, I don't want you to touch my career or my relationships, and certainly not my money, um, uh, but if I need any help, I'll come and talk to you. Is that okay? Oh, and I'll have the ticket to heaven, please. And uh, I didn't quite put it that way, but there is a bit of that, isn't there? in many of us, about keeping this thing in a box. And Jackie Pullinger came to the diocese early this year, and she said something which really uh, stuck with me. She said, it is a miserable thing to be half a Christian, to have kind of one foot saying, yes, we can trust God's promises, yes, live only for Jesus, and then to say, but this is Surrey and I have a career to plan, and, uh, and, uh, and a mortgage, and a patio that needs refurbishing. And we have to keep these things sort of uh, in, in balance. There is such joy and power to be found in living full on for our amazing God. Now, um, Maxine and, uh, and Richard were very enigmatic about what I might be talking about tonight. Um, what do you think it might be? Isn't that interesting? Trees. Trees. Well, I'm talking about how we can make this vision of yours happen. And indeed, a vision which is even greater in its international scope because there is no limit to the vision which Jesus has for his church and for each of us and for our lives. You have a really exciting way of charting pathways to faith, of enabling people to encounter, to celebrate 
No need to be miserable, even if we are Church of England. We need to celebrate and to share the love of God. And central to that is putting together the resources of people, and we've talked about that, and of money that are required. And part of my role is helping churches to be ambitious and to release the resources which are needed to make a difference. Now, sometimes people talk about this in kind of purely sort of budgetary terms. And uh, the budget, as you may have heard, is a little bit of a challenge in the year ahead. Uh, I think a £60,000 deficit being uh, forecast. But I'm sure that uh, we will together deal with this. The, the challenge of generosity and the nature of generosity, it isn't like we have all this fun and then, oh dear, let's talk about how to pay for it. No, it is that we have a generous God. Love and generosity are at the very core of what it means to follow Jesus. We have the overwhelming generosity of God to us in Christ, sending his son to die for us. And he calls us to share in this pouring out of love and grace and generosity into the world. And the more that we pour out, the more that he pours into us and to our lives. Now then, that is why. But why is it that the Bible, why is it Jesus goes on so much about, uh, about money and possessions? Now, I am told that you are a theologically very erudite church. And uh, that Dom teaches uh, our young people particularly well. So, I think we'll focus this. Good to see you, Dom. No pressure. Now is the time of reckoning. Right. And we'll start with the young people. See, you. And then we'll have... Yes, we'll see who gets closest, okay. How many of us, except for people like Sam, who ran the, uh, the, the AV this morning? Uh, I, I think you're uh, not allowed to take part in this particular one. Now, how many verses, first of all, first question, how many verses in the Bible are on money, wealth, and possessions? And then question two, if our sermon schedule here for the same frequency as that of Jesus, every what, every 50th Sunday, every 100th Sunday, would be about money, wealth, and possessions. Okay, let's start with the first one. How many verses in the Bible are about, I have to say, one of your clergy this morning, I better not say who, said quite a lot. So how many verses in the Bible are on money, wealth, and possessions? What's your guess? We're going to start with, uh, start with the youth team. Uh, no, tutoring from the, no tutoring from the youth minister here. Sorry? 200. Any advance on 200? You think more. More than 200. Okay. Any advance on more than 200? Right. What about the kind of uh, grown-up... I should say the adults and parents and whatever team. What about you guys? How many verses on, on that? 
on, on, the, on, on money to, in the Bible. You take this so seriously. You're such a reflective congregation. Sorry? 150. Remember, it's going to whoever is closest, okay? Right, okay, if, if the sermon schedule, you know, if we talked as frequently as Jesus did about money, how often would we talk about money? Let's start with you guys. How often? Once every 50 services? Once every 100 services? Every other week. All those in favor of a sermon on money every other week. Well, well, well. I have to say, I think that uh, the young people win on both counts. Because firstly, two, but you did say 200, well, but the, the adults only said 150. So uh, 2,300 verses in the Bible are on money, wealth, and possessions. And uh, if our sermon schedule followed the same frequency as that of Jesus, every third Sunday would be about money, wealth, and possessions. So, why? Why did Jesus talk so much about money? Was he looking forward to the Waymaker scheme and the greatest efflorescence on the planet? Why did he talk so much about money? Youth team, you're ahead. Go read. Why did he talk so much about money? Yes. Wow, thank you. A whoop and a... Thi <laughs> and theological insight. You are absolutely, absolutely right. Um, the clue is also in the gospel, wasn't it? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money has spiritual power. And it holds us, yes, it leads people to do evil things. It controls, it can, it can be really, really, really controlling. And yes, some people are pretty insecure and therefore they want to be seriously rich and they get, you know, never do they have the last, you know, the last, the, 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 enough money. Um, one of our church members is a, a wealth advisor with coots. And I said, what's it like when people have multi, 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 multi millions come in? You know, are they seraphically happy? And they say, no, they're worried about the maintenance of their third house and their fourth spouse. But the... But it's for the rest of us. It isn't so much necessarily that avarice for all the money that we can get. It's more a, deep, a sort of deep insecurity. I remember when I was sort of your age, um, when uh, I lived at home. Any of you living at home? It's comfortable. You get all sorts of stuff done, don't you? But you have to tidy stuff up and make sure that they don't see what, you know, they aren't supposed to see. And I, in, that, in my day, they had paper bank statements and uh, I left one out. And my father, who was born in, uh, in real poverty in Lancashire, he looked at this and he goes, son, he says, you are overspending. 
I said, no, Dad, I'm under-earning. <laughs> but the distinction was lost on him, and he said to me, and it's always stayed with me, E, you'll come to want. You'll come to want. And at some level, that fear of financial insecurity really holds us back. That's why we kind of do our holidays and everything else, and then sometimes there can be a bit of small change for the work of God. Though, of course, in many cases here, we wouldn't have all of this if many of you were not so massively generous already in what you do. There is this fear. There is that spiritual power. It does hold us in chains. And so Jesus, in this, as in so much else, comes to help us break free. He comes to bring freedom. Now, you can say, well, how can I be free? We've got to hang on to this stuff. And, uh, of course, the trouble, the trouble is accountants. Now, do we have any accountants here? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, actually, I, I'm all in favor of accountants. In fact, I married a chartered accountant, because if you're in ministry, it's a really good thing to do. And, um, but the trouble is, you see, accountants will say to you, Quite rightly, in the world's terms, this is how the world's economy works. You know, we have limited resources, and if you give X or Y to you, the work of God, then it won't be available for other things. Now, we are called to give sacrificially, etc. But the reality is that we have a God of generosity who promises in Scripture and who demonstrates in real life that you cannot outgive. God. What can't you do? Do you believe that? Well, I'll go home then. No. Um, yeah. And why do we believe that? Why do you believe that? Some of you heckled just now. Why do you believe we can't outgive God? Have you experienced that? Or is it... Uh, yeah, let's... Anyway, let's, uh, let, me, let me share one or two stories and uh, a bit of teaching on that. In 2 Corinthians, the passage we've just heard, Paul writes to the people in, uh, in Corinth. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And that's what I call a shriveled life. I must hang on to what I've got. And of course, what you've got ends up being much smaller than it could have been if you had lived that outrageous, generous life. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Who wants to live a little life when you can live a big life? Who wants to see the power of God at its fullest in our lives? Each man should, and woman, no getting off here, should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or, or, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, where I've seen giving be the most substantial and the most amazing, there is a sense of joy which breaks out in the church as it will break out here when you complete this process and you see what God has done to release resources. And because they were a bit thick in Corinth, Paul spells it out even more. 
he says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. So, not that you can redo the patio, you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. People will say, what amazing folk. They, what everybody else hangs on like this, there we see in this church and we see in the people here something quite extraordinary in confident generosity. Now, this morning, a little lady came up to me and said, ooh, I think that's, are you telling everybody just to give so they can get very, very rich? And I said, no. Because if we come before God, and if we say, because I know you're all very financially literate in this particular borough, uh, if you say, oh, um, equities aren't really going anywhere, and I'm not, interest, I'm not sure about uh, fixed interest securities, but uh, I'm going to put my money into God, because I'm going to get a jolly big return. Well, I think that God's quite bright, and uh, he'll probably see through that one. He is omniscient, all-knowing. You will be rumbled. But surely the message of Scripture and the experience of life is that if we come before God, truly knowing him, truly overwhelmed by the depth of his love and grace towards us, I love that focus song. It's from Here's Love, Fast Out of the Ocean. Grace and love, like mighty rivers, flowed incessant from above. If we can sense the depths of God's love, the depths of His provision, His generosity to us in sending Christ to die in our place on the cross so that we can stand before God robed not in our own sin and nastiness but in the beautiful righteousness of Christ. Then, and we give out of sheer wonder, wanting to be part of the, his work here on earth which needs the resources he's given us to be used to advance his work, then the experience of the Christian community down the years has been that of God's faithfulness. Billy and Ruth Graham said, we have found in our own home, as have thousands of others, that God's blessing upon the nine-tenths when we tithe, that's giving a tenth of income, which is uh, uh, what many, uh, many people do, helps us to go further than the helps it to go further than the ten tens used to go without God's blessing. John Wimber, who helped inspire the charismatic renewal of the Church of England, which had a, such an impact here and elsewhere, he said, In my long experience of Christian ministry, God releases resources to those whom he can trust to release them into his kingdom. The more we pour out in confident generosity, trusting the promises of Scripture, 
trusting the promises of the people of God down the ages, the more we see his power and generosity blessing his people. And uh, I won't put you on the spot, but wherever I go, people come up to me and tell me the most extraordinary stories of when they stepped out in faith to do something in the way of giving, which sensibly, it didn't seem like the right thing to do, and God has come through in the most extraordinary ways. So I want to encourage you to trust and to try. To trust the express promises of God. You know, if we cannot believe the express and trust the express promises of God as an evangelical church in this place, we might as well go out and grow geraniums or whatever you do on a Sunday in Claygate. You know, it is, it is clear in his word and in the experience of his people. And try giving at a level which you never thought possible. And uh, as all of this is new to you, perhaps as you're journeying forward, and you'll get people saying to you, oh, you know, be sensible with this, keep everything in moderation. Rebel. Rebel and say, you know, I am going to be I am going to trust the promises of God. I am going to be radical. I am going to step out and I am going to see what he does. And I'm going to talk, you know, if you get a, I don't know, some kind of uh, uh, allowance or whatever for your folks, they actually say, I'm going to give a proportion to the work of God. They'll administer it. That's upward delegation. Um, go for it. Trust the promises of God. And I do invite you to, when you complete your forms, or maybe an email coming out, when you go back to your treasurer and the team, say, you know, this isn't a contract enforceable at law, but I'm going to try giving it a level which I never thought possible. And I'm going to see what happens. And uh, we've seen in other parishes, we've seen income increase by 30 to 30 plus percent. And I always go back, if I'm allowed to, and just chat to people and say, tell me, do you regret taking that big step? And I've never heard that regret. I have just sensed joy as the chains break. You can hear that clatter of broken chains. And you can hear that sense of joy as we see that God releases resources and uses them to completely uh, you know, breathe the resources into your plans here. Now, there is no limit to what the people, you know, you are charged with the whole the spiritual well-being of the whole parish of Claygate. There is no limit to what this church can do. As Ronald, to misquote Ronald Reagan, you know, you ain't seen, I firmly believe, you ain't seen nothing yet even though we've seen such fantastic growth and investment over the years. And take your next step. I was brought up partly in Yorkshire, and I love rivers and stepping stones. Now, the, you've a fantastic team here, a fantastic staff team. They deserve the security of knowing that you are with them financially as well as in every other way. So, this means we need to make sure that money is coming in every month. 
can I ask you, if you don't currently, if you don't currently give regularly as part of the regular giving scheme here, we would ask you to take that first step. It doesn't matter at what level, because faith and giving are both journeys. It's about taking that first step and just saying, I'm with you, I'm a regular giver now, and I'll give at what level I can. And if you have been giving for a while, then it's time for the next step. Faith is a journey. We are the people of the way. We continue to journey. Paul writes about moving from being nourished with milk to moving to beef burgers or whatever. And similarly, we grow in giving. It is a continual life journey. And as you take that next step, can I encourage you? You know, if you've been on the stepping stone for a while, now is the time that God is calling you to take that next step. Step forward in faith. Trust the express promises of God. Try giving it a level which you never thought possible and see what he will do here. Let us pray. Look, come, Holy Spirit, we pray, and release in this place a renew in us this spirit of generosity, this gift, this beautiful gift of generosity. We thank you for the generosity of those who've made these amazing facilities possible and built up this wonderful team. We thank you for those who've gone before and those who still give and sustain the work of this church. And Lord, we pray that you will give us the faith Give us the faith to step out now and to, and to share what you have given us in the knowledge that we cannot outgive you, that we may see wonderful renewed growth in this parish, that we may see revival in our time, in this parish, in this diocese, and in these islands. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.